staying ahead of conflict on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. Our guests this week are Jim and Caroline Neuheiser. They are counselors certified with ACBC. Jim is actually a fellow with ACBC and is a board member, and he is also the executive director of IBCD, the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship in Southern California. We are happy they're here with us this week. They're a delightful couple to know, and uh, we're talking this week about conflict, but not conflict in the way we ordinarily would think of it. Often when we think about conflict, we're talking about resolving conflict that has already happened, and I wanted the Neuheisers to join us this week to talk about staying ahead of conflict, to have practices in your marriage that work to undercut conflict before it happens. So Jim and Caroline, we're, we're happy that you're here, and I wonder if you could talk to us about nurturing attitudes in your marriage for one another that work to undermine conflict before it happens. I think it's excellent that you're starting with this because biblical counseling wants to prevent problems. We'd rather have one another care happening in the church where people are learning how to handle conflict before it even happens, how to prevent it. I think the key to having the right attitude towards the other person is having the right attitude towards Christ. And that if you see yourself as chief of sinners and you're daily marveling that God shows you mercy, then when someone sins against you or you see things building that you get squeezed and grace is going to come out rather than law and wrath, and so I think it's primarily your attitude towards the Lord and having a, a gracious disposition based on the gospel because as two sinners living together, there will be tension. There will be this buildup you're describing. And you know, you're going to get squeezed. We've been married over 36 years, and every day there's squeezing going on. But it's what's inside of you that's going to come out when you're squeezed. And so you, since you don't know when the squeezing is going to happen, you want to be very careful in your own walk with the Lord. That's right. And to recognize that God is in all things and it's not up to us to act, take action and work change in our spouse, that's a place of rest and peace. That's really helpful. So... You're when you talk about these kind of attitudes, you're talking about focusing on yourself as a sinner and then trusting in the Lord with your spouse. That's right. Okay. Well, if we move from attitudes to actions, what are things that we can do in marriage to serve, to so love and care for our spouse that it works to undercut conflict before it happens? I think. One aspect, kind of getting back to the attitudes, Heath, is that having recognized that I am a sinner who's received much mercy, to go in realizing I married someone who's not perfect and she's going to sin. It's inevitable in the course of a week or a day she will sin, and so not to be shocked by that, not to be judgmental of that, 
but that God has made my role to be a helper and a healer, not a judge and a punisher. And to begin to be prepared with that, realizing that is my role in this relationship, like other close relationships, is when she sins, she will sin. She's a sinner like me. Uh, My job in being an instrument in her sanctification is to gently restore her instead of the temptation so many couples have when one party sins is now I've got you and taking a shot Mm. in, in judgment. Instead, it's, okay, you're wounded. How can I help participate in the healing? And also, I think the wife, uh, is she's understanding God's role in her life. As it says in First Peter 3, 6, she's obeying God. She's hoping in God. She's actually hoping as God would work in her husband, as I said, not to change him. And she's not fearful. She's not fearing anything that is frightening. What about this? What about... We're not talking about the large environment of your marriage that when we're trying to just love one another well, but we're talking about it's the tense moments in marriage. Maybe it's everybody scrambling to get out the door to go to church or to make it to work or to some event. There's stress in the home. A bill just came due. And everybody has had those moments in marriage where you feel the pressure. There's the tension in the air and you've got a moment when you could say words that are going to ignite a conflict or throw a wet towel on conflict? What are words and things that we can do in that moment when we feel the stress and the frustration? What can we do to help? I think of Ephesians 4, which warns that if you let the sun go down on your anger, you're giving the devil an opportunity. And I don't think it means sunset. I mean, it can be in the 10 minutes before you walk out the door to church, if you allow your frustration to build instead of dealing with it in a godly, humble, biblical way, you could begin what could be days of tension in your home that are unresolved. And to love peace and to recognize that very quickly the issue becomes not the fact that your spouse is late or your shirt wasn't ironed or these hassles are going on. Now the the big issue is your relationship, not this other thing, which has become secondary. And you have to be willing to make every effort to pursue the peace that's so important for your relationship, for the home, for your ability to care for others. I like to communicate to my husband, and I advise women to communicate that they are a team. Mm -hmm. I am on your side. I want to help you. I want to make things easier. And again, lack of speech in those tense situations, just to even to say, I'll pray about that. Like if there's a discussion of what should we do, I will pray about that or I'll pray for you to have wisdom in that decision. What about a woman that's listening to this right now? She's on her way home from someplace and She's going to open up the mailbox and she's going to get a late notice about a bill that her husband told her he was going to pay. She's going to open that with him standing right there and she's going to feel the pressure to say, I thought you paid this or you always do this and whatever she says, but she says it in that elevated tone that communicates when she's thinking about that, when she's holding the the bill in her hand, what might she do in that moment to jerk the wheel away from conflict. It's always good to consider 
our words before we say them. So just deep breath. Gent, as we know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So, Lord, work in my heart. There are those quick prayers we can say. And we need to pick our moments. And sometimes when things are already tense, you need to wait until things have calmed down and bring it up in a calm moment. I think that's a great and typical scenario that really illustrates what we've been talking about in that her flesh, if you're thinking about the deeds of the Spirit, I mean, the fruit of the Spirit and the deeds of the flesh, her flesh wants to engage in an outburst of anger. She wants to indulge in judgment. Somehow in her flesh, she feels that there's almost like there would be some pleasure or relief in venting that anger upon her husband. But none of that is going to make the situation better, and none of that's going to honor Christ. If she's supposed to be his helper, how can she make how can she help him to be a more godly man? How can she, as Galatians 6 says, gently restore him, looking to herself that shows she will not be tempted? She has to be in the spirit and approach him. And I think before she speaks, am I speaking with love, joy, peace, patience, mm-hmm. all of this? And if my heart is not there, I'm just going to come. The analogy we've used is like you've got somebody's got a speck in his eye and you're coming at him with rusty garden shears, I'm going to take that speck out of you, (laughs) and it's just going to infect the eye. It's not going to heal him. Her job is to be a healer with her fellow sinner, and it's not that he hasn't done something wrong, but to come as a judge and a destroyer is just going to make the situation worse. Mm. And it's going to dishonor the Lord, and it's not going to reflect the grace of the gospel as pictured by the unmerciful servant. She, if she realizes how much God has forgiven her, is not going to be wrapping her hands around his throat and saying, pay what you owe. Mm. And if she's a woman who does not fear anything that is frightening, and she puts her hope in God, then her heart will be at peace. And that will help her with her speech. We are listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. And we've had Jim and Caroline Neuheiser here with us this week. Jim is, as I said before, the executive director of IBCD. If you want more information about that ministry, you can visit them at ibcd.org. Dr. Neuheiser has been appointed as the new head of the counseling program at Reformed Theological Seminary and their Charlotte campus. And so you can find out more information about him there as well. And if you'd like more information about ACBC, you can visit us at www.biblicalcounseling.com.